And welcome into another episode of Turn the Corner, a Detroit Tigers podcast. I'm Kieran Steckley. With me, my partner, your athletic beat writer. He's into that kind of music that just soothes the soul. He is Cody Stavenhagen. How you doing? Doing all right, Kieran. Yes, my name's Cody, and yes, I watch every Detroit Tigers game. <laughs> welcome to another edition of Detroit Tigers Group Therapy. Uh, I'm glad you all are here. I hope we can have an open discourse and dialogue about all of our many problems. There aren't a lot of things that are fun right now about the 2022 Detroit Tigers. I still have fun doing the podcast, so I hope that I hope that resonates. I hope people can uh, uh, can tell. It's still a lot of fun to chat baseball, chat about the Tigers, learn some things. I mean, there's there's still a lot of value in uh, keeping up with the team, and I would think some value in listening to You know what I still think is fun every day? Watching the games, you know? I Absolutely. think of what uh, sometimes what Oklahoma sports writer Barry Trammell would say. Like, I still, I love the ball games, and even when the team is bad, you know, I, I, I was having um, pregame lunch with Dan Petrie, and I was kind of like, Dan, where are you? What are you interested in tonight? Like, what are you looking for? Like, because I, I always kind of try to find a couple things that I want to really keep tabs on. And, you know, Dan Dickerson, Dan Petrie, two of the best people to ask questions like that because they're always enthusiastic and they always have something in their head. And he was talking about, well, like, Fiedo, I'm really interested to see, um, you know, just if he, if he continues his growth. And then he went on, like, I'm really interested to watch Bill Brisky's next start and see if he uses that slider more. And... I don't know. I really enjoyed watching Sunday's game. Obviously, it was a little cleaner um, game from the Tigers, but I thought it was interesting. Like, there are always developments. There's always something to watch, even if the season is more is you know more or less lost at this point. Uh, I still love watching the games. Well, yeah, there's a million storylines, and uh, I thought there was a mailbag in the Athletic this week, and. Ken, Ken Rosenthal was basically like, you're trying to make sure you got your guys ready for 23 to 27, essentially. And as much as we are in the moment, because someone asked about the Tigers, as much as we are in the moment, uh, there is a bigger picture here. And we're seeing some examples of what could be the makeup of that bigger picture. You know, this season, especially today on Sunday, uh, this was as nice a win as I think the Tigers have had this year in a couple ways. Not their best win, not like their most memorable, but in terms of the elements of what we saw today, it you can't help but kind of go into the week in a good mood. So you get you get a, a fir- former first round pick gets his first career win. I know you know the stat is meaningless, but I don't think the emotion is meaningless. So I get get your first career major league win. Uh, congratulations to Alex Fiedo. Pitched a fine game. Yeah, Daz Cameron with a play that will be a nominee for Catch of the Year. Uh, not to mention couple, excuse me, couple nice base knocks. Uh, a little aggressiveness on the base pass. Uh, two steals today. Uh, key ones too. You had a Gregory Soto save. You had a Baez home run. Uh, had Miguel Cabrera. Speaking of the Baez home run, yeah, Miguel Cabrera emoting a lot uh after that bias home run first one out of the dugout kind of did a little flex motion you know as, as buys around the bases and gets into uh gets into the dugout it was something that we had talked about last week about like emotional leadership and i kind of was dismissive of the miguel cabrera part of it because i just think you need to probably be a little bit more productive than than that than he is to really take that but I can, I, I can take a little L on that, but it was something I was looking for. And uh, even Baez's attitude is kind of like waving at fans or whatever. You can kind of hear some stuff on the broadcast. It seemed to me like it was... Oh, key stat there. Don't want to forget it. Runs in the first and second inning, first time this season. So, it seemed to me this was as nice a win, as nice a way to end, uh, end, a, end a week. You split with the Guardians... And obviously, coming off a disappointing series loss to uh, the Rays, but I, I you know, I, I, I feel good. I just feel good. It's an it, that was a nice, ba- that was a fun, nice, complete baseball game to watch. So I feel good. 
It was the first time the Tigers had scored in the first inning on the road all season, uh, which I think is telling. If you recall on opening day, I was like, this is the type of game when the Tigers came back to win on opening day. I was like, this is the type of game that the 19 and 20 Tigers, even uh, kind of the first half of 21 Tigers, they just didn't win. They were down, and it was like, they're going to be down. And that's no longer the case, is what I said on opening day. We're back to that kind of being the case. The Tigers only have four come-from-behind wins this year. That's not a great look. That's indicative of, number one, just your lack of offense. And two, I continue to think there's just something psychologically off with this club. And that gets really uh, intangible and kind of coach-speaky. But it's like, if you only come from behind four times in 40 games, like, you know... So I'm off with your heart, your character. It's not that these guys don't care. They're not trying, but it's like, eh. I don't think that's a great indictment of your club. Anyway, the Tigers took care of that problem by scoring first on Sunday. And they were actually playing. They made three outs on the bases within the first couple of innings. Uh, Daz Cameron getting backpicked was pretty ugly. The ball Robbie Grossman went to third on. Um, I thought that was kind of a tough play. That's one, like, a lot of 12U baseball coaches are probably doing the, like, uh, well, like, freeze thing. If, if it's hit at or behind you, you're supposed to go. But that basic teaching doesn't account for the shift and that ball being hit right to a shortstop who has shifted. And so I think, like, the baseball IQ would have said, like, maybe hold up or head back to the bag. But I thought that was kind of a gray area. So not a great, uh, obviously not good that he got thrown out, but I'm not knocking that one as like a huge, terrible mistake by Robbie. Um, and then, uh, oh, Willie Castro getting doubled up on a hard liner. Again, kind of tough, but he was he was like way off first base. I think he did not have the proper reaction. So it was not starting off well. But then from there, the Tigers played a really good, a really clean game, one of their better games this season. And a game that did remind me of 2021 in the way that it seemed to just follow the perfect script in terms of the way A.J. Hinch used his bullpen, bringing Andrew Chafin in to, in, um, to face some lefties, you know, bringing in Lang. And it's, it's not necessarily like anything unheard of or unthought of in how it manages, but it seems like there were so many games last year where you could see the script AJ had, and you could watch the game unfold completely to that script, in large part because the players executed. That happened again for the most part, and it was a, a nice reminder. Gregory Soto still scared us just a little bit in the ninth, hitting a batter, but um, it all worked out, and you get four runs. You get a late insurance run on the bias homer. Uh, that's the type of game you would like to see this team play a lot more of, no doubt. Well, I know it doesn't count as a come-from-behind win because it's not a behind, but to, to to grab an early lead and then lose it like that and still respond is another sort of like element there that that's true they deserve credit for because if we're talking about uh, previous year's teams, that's like the little brother little sister version of like responding to a deficit is like you just get the lead and you lose it like you know instantaneously so yeah um so that's that's another element there too a little sign of a mature ball club and i don't know if we've been able to say that a whole lot um this season uh no (laughs) there's the I, i gotta say this with with a little bit of humor I, I I find myself chuckling a little bit. I don't want to spend a lot of time on this, but I find myself chuckling a little bit when I watch Willie in the outfield. Oh, uh, how can you not? Like there was that where he like he like fell down to like catch a fly ball. <laughs> uh, Wasn't pretty in Tampa this week. I don't get the whole Willie has great outfield. Like maybe he does. Maybe he has good outfield instincts. He's not a good outfielder. He's just not. It's just not. No, and you know, instincts. We're talking about like it is funny. Like at least Kristen Stewart was a bad outfielder to the point it wasn't funny. Uh, Nick Castellanos, especially his like first couple years in the outfield, was bad to the point it wasn't even funny. At least it's kind of funny to like 
something about Willie Castro. You're right. And <laughs> catching the ball, like always off to the side. Yeah. Yep. But you know, sometimes he does make the play and like, at least it's, it's entertaining to a certain degree. Well, there's whenever there's like a, uh, like a base hit, that's just like a ground ball. I, you know, to left field there maybe he has to go a little bit to get it. I'm always thinking, well, in theory, you got to be able to field this pretty cleanly. He is a former <laughs> infielder. <laughs> He's used to ground balls. Um, uh, one thing I wanted to get into, uh, not get into, but just kind of make note of, I don't know if this is normal or not because I, I can only watch the games on TV, so I'm sort of like just subject to what the cameras show. Uh, when Soto came in today, the, the, the broadcast showed Jimenez in the bullpen... It looked like he was getting warm, and I can't remember that being a thing of recent. Uh, AJ doing that, I, I can't. I can't remember. Maybe it's happened. Maybe maybe it's happened. But that was like, is is he getting Jimenez in there? Like, is, is this like are you sort of like hedging your bet a little bit with Soto? Like, I I, I didn't. I had questions about that. Do you have any answers? Yeah, I don't have a definitive answer. Uh, I wish I would have asked that question to AJ Hinch post game. I, I kind of meant to, and it slipped my mind because um, obviously there were there were other things going on. I've seen that before. I don't remember if I've seen it during the Hinch era. I think definitely the Garden Hire era, and in baseball in general. Sometimes if you have a reliever who just needs work, hasn't thrown in a couple days, and it's kind of clear the game's going to unfold to a point where he's probably not getting in. Maybe you'll get him up, basically have him throw almost like a bullpen in the ninth inning. Um, AJ mentioned kind of during that team's bad losing streak, he wishes he would have got Soto and I think Fulmer in the game a little more. So I wonder if maybe that played into it. Or maybe he was hedging his bet. That's another thing Ron Gardenhire, I recall doing with Soto. Not necessarily like right when he went in the game, but if Soto would like throw two balls or walk the first batter, he had someone up. And, and usually you can tell if it's going to be a good Soto night or a bad Soto night pretty early on. Um, so as much as maybe that doesn't indicate a ton of faith and trust in your closer, I think it, that idea makes a lot of sense. Um, I think Soto was facing, I don't have the names in front of me, and I just drove home from Cleveland, so the mind's a little foggy. But Soto was facing a portion of the lineup that, that had at least a couple lefties. And after that, you the bottom of the Cleveland order had righties. So maybe the thought is, okay, if Soto doesn't get through these lefties, number one, that means things aren't going good. Number two, Joe's probably the better matchup anyway. So I think there are a couple of possible explanations that make sense. Um, unfortunately, I don't know definitively if like there was a plan for Joe to be in that game or if he was just getting work, but I think either way there, you know, it's not, um, unheard of or anything super out of the ordinary okay well there was obviously an injury scare this week uh i was i was telling my wife uh friday that uh i said six man rotation because i was including pineda so but it also makes it seem worse so i was like you know the tigers open with a six-man rotation uh well it's even worse they open with a five-man rotation and they lost Four plus Tarek Skubal's bruised shin yeah. and a six guy in Pineda. Yeah. So however you want to phrase it. Yeah. So I was like, this is the last guy that's not hurt. <laughs> and and I'm not a big believer in the whole jinxing thing, obviously, but of course, line drive off the shin. And I was just like, golly, you can't make this up. Uh, seems like he's okay, right? Like he's he's supposed to make his next start. That that's the update that we got. Yeah, uh, talked to Scooble both after the game and again Sunday morning, and he was in pretty great spirits both times. I've seen him walking around. He's not even limping or anything. Uh, he says he feels like he's not going to have to miss any time, and AJ indicated the Tigers are, are confident he can make his next start. So sounds like it could have been way, way worse. The ball kind of hit him in a part of the leg that was more muscle than bone, and the way he had his leg positioned it was able to kind of bend backward and give a little bit where if his leg had been stiff that could have been bad a lot of things worked out to where it sounds like he's going to be okay 
which obviously is huge, the way things had been going for the Tigers and just the way that that play looked and the way Scooble kind of hobbled off the field, it was very easy to think, like, did he just break his leg? You know, did that shatter a bone and he's going to miss months, if not the rest of the year? That was, I think, a lot of people's first thought. That was kind of my first thought. Sounds like he's going to be okay, which is obviously a huge relief. And AJ, you know, who was watching, he, who was sick and watching that game from his hotel, said, "I wasn't sick to where I was throwing up, but I wanted to throw up after seeing that." <laughs> and I think, I think a lot of uh, Tigers fans and followers out there relate to that, no doubt. Yeah, I mean, if you, if we're not going to do this, but if you just lay out the litany of injuries and the sort of the cruelness there's like two elements to to baseball being cruel and unfair one is the actual part of being injured obviously that sucks these, these guys professions you know and uh and how much that can affect them careers get ended all the time that's unfortunate part of the game the second part is that the game keeps moving and you so and sometimes like I have to read about Cisnero to remember him and Funkhauser. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I have to shout out Curb Your Enthusiasm. I have to be reminded of them. I have to, oh, oh yeah, Jake Rogers is like, Tyler Alexander, when's this any, last time, you know, your boy, your boy Tyler Alexander, when's the last time we, we talked, you know? And, 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 and so that's just an example of everything getting kind of swept. Um Scooble is somebody that obviously I worry about because he's the last guy remaining. I think he legitimately has all-star. We, we've always known all-star potential. This year, looking like... I think yeah. your prediction was might have been spot. I don't know if he's going to get a win in the all-star game, but Tarek Scooble is headed toward an all-star bid at uh, warp speed. If he continues this up into June, like he's going to be your all-star nominee for a shoe-in, and it's not even... I guess you could question, like, is the all-star rotation packed with other big names, and so they just take a token reliever, but Scooble ranks up there in ERA, and like, he could be a top-five pitcher in the American League, statistically, if he keeps this up a little longer. I'm a little afraid to declare that, because sometimes it feels like every time you're ready to just really be like, okay, this guy's arrived, then he has, like, a kind of blows up, so that could still happen, but... um, Dude's blowing everyone else out of the water as the early favorite to be the all-star nominee. And another guy that I worry about is uh, Tucker Barnhart because I was kind of thinking, I was like, I talked about like kind of guys being forgotten because they're injured. I'll admit this, flaw of mine here. I, I had I had almost kind of forgotten about Eric Haas because like, so, so there's like two elements. Like you wrote about tucker this week in the athletic and sort of like his the 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 mental side of his game and it is pretty interesting like uh, the techniques and the people he's gotten connected with and all that stuff i recommend people reading it um but i was like well uh I, he better be strong mentally number one you got to be as a catcher number two it sometimes it feels like he's the only catcher uh he's I read that story and I thought, oh, this is this is Eric Haas. Where is Eric Haas? Like, I, I where is Eric Haas? I don't. It. I went back and looked at his log and I was like, you know, it. It feels like he's not getting as much playing time as typical number twos get. Uh, I don't have the numbers to necessarily back that up. He's played in twenty two games. Uh, but obviously a lot of that's like pinch hitting and then uh, not every time at catcher. But, you know, he, he made a start. He's made... Looks like he's getting like end of series get out game starts. But it just it just kind of feels like he's not in quote unquote rotation. And so I worry about Tucker Barnhart. Uh, and if Haas isn't playing as much as we anticipated, is like is he, like was he unofficially benched like that that was like my first like my, my summarizing thought was he kind of benched in a way like i don't know it sure it sure as hell seems like it um which raises a lot of questions goes back remember when this team had three catchers <laughs> wasn't that long ago this team had three 
the grand plan, we're going to have three catchers. Oh, and Haas. Haas is going to play left field, and Haas is going to play first base. And now Haas is only catching, and he's not really catching at all. I would say the usage is kind of typical of what you'd see from a team that has a firm number one catcher, a Yadier Molina, Salvador Perez, and then the number two guy plays on some day games, some getaway games, second end of a doubleheader. That's kind of what we're seeing, which Barnard's a very good catcher, but he's not that level of catcher necessarily. Um, and then, yeah, the idea was like, oh, Haas against left-handed pitchers. We're going to put him in. Maybe he'll play left field. Willie Castro having to play left kind of changes that dynamic a little bit, but there have been games against left-handed starters where Haas has not been in the lineup, which makes me question why is he on the roster if you're not going to play him against left-handed. If, if you just want a backup catcher, um, I would take someone with better defense, and Dustin Garneau is still in your organization. So I wonder if we're rapidly heading toward that move, the idea of getting value out of Haas's bat. Well, Haas is barely playing and he is hitting 158 and he has two home runs and it doesn't seem to be working. Seems like a problem to me. No, I mean, you're right and it also wasn't too long ago that there was a huge and I was a passenger, Dylan Dingler hype train and yeah, it's not uh, great. And that's I mean, it's uh, not looking terrible, but it's not looking great either. It'd be a lowercase H if we're gonna do any sort of hype with Dingler. It's a, it definitely wouldn't be an uppercase H. Uh, yeah. But that that's it. That is a good point. I didn't think about that with like the firm number one. But I just you know I worry about the wear on on, on Tucker. And uh, your story talked a lot about like his like you know emphasis on like breathing and and all that stuff and hopefully it works hopefully he's got that down pat because if 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 he doesn't you know like that's another guy he's hitting like what 260 like he's not really displaying a lot of power but he or at least like home runs but yeah he's still below league average in his total offensive production because he's not hitting for power at all and he's, he's actually walking less than he has at other points in his career i believe um but graded on a scale for this team, if you're hitting 260, you're doing you're doing fantastic. So he's you know he's at least doing something for you. Yeah. And I like I said last week, his defense is is finally starting to really show up, and I've been continuing to be impressed with it. Yeah, it, it, he he be, he's one of those guys that I thought if he wasn't on the team, what does this team look like? Yeah, like that he kind of falls into that category. And I do I do real quick want to go back to an AJ Hinch quote in that story where it's like. The best thing about Tucker is he's invisible or unnoticeable, and I think that's very true. I think he hasn't fully been embraced for from uh, maybe the fans because he did get off to a weird, bad start, and in general his traits aren't maybe as flashy as even a Jake Rogers who makes a lot of athletic plays, who has a gun of an arm, who maybe not the best hitter but does have some pop. Barnard's his arm is probably his weakest asset as a catcher, but he's a great blocker. Seems like he's a good pitch sequencer. His framing's not great, but I think in certain areas of the strike zone, he does pretty well. And as the story talks about, he's, he's just this calm presence. So he's kind of easy to take for granted. Um, I hope he continues to get more due because yeah, imagine, imagine this team without a stabilizing force behind the plate. Uh, that would be, that'd be pretty scary. We got, we got Fiedo twice uh, twice this week, and as I mentioned earlier, he had his first his first career win. He he, he pitched against Tampa Bay uh, earlier this week. A nice little moment to see his see his family and all that stuff in the stands. That was cool. Five and two thirds, four hits, one run, uh, four strikeouts. I like the slider. Uh, I think he's kind of honed it a little bit after being like, oh, this is the famed slider I've been hearing about, you know, <laughs> you know, at first. And then today, he, as I pull this up, five innings, six hits, two runs, uh, two strikeouts, two, uh, two walks. Uh, Low-key stabilizing force in, in, in the rotation right now, I would say. It's, it's early, but like this guy had one outing in Toledo. 
He was fresh off Tommy John. He had one outing in Toledo. He got thrown in the major leagues. This came pretty quickly, and I think he has exceeded all expectations um, to the point it's like there was a time where I don't want to say we wrote off Alex Fiedo, but as I've mentioned, he definitely fell into a tier below the Mize Manning and Scooble, and then he got hurt, and it was almost like he was kind of forgotten, and now it's like, oh, this guy can pitch, and there's kind of like, uh, maybe he's best as a reliever long term, and I don't know, maybe he is, but what we've seen so far, it's like, this guy could be a part of your rotation for years to come. Probably not as a frontline starter, but if you're talking like a number four, number five starter, I think you do a lot worse than what we've seen out of Alex Fiedo so far. Unlike some of your other pitchers, he's missing bats. Unlike some of your other pitchers, he generally throws a lot of strikes. Um, and he's still he's still fresh off Tommy John. Like He could continue to get better. He could recover a little more velocity. The slider could continue to be better. I also think the league's going to adjust to him. The league's going to start sitting on that slider a little more. But I like this is pretty close to the best case scenario for what you could have asked for out of Alex Fiedo so far. And I think that's that's very encouraging, not just for now, but for looking forward as well. Well, let's kind of like like let, hold, hold, I, I'm sorry to keep rambling. Who do you feel better about right now, Alex Fiedo or Matt Manning? Like, dude, dude, stop because that's literally where I was going to go because I was right. I was going <laughs> to. Uh, you can tell we've known each other for a while. I was gonna, <laughs> I was gonna say, let's harken back. Let's look for like another first round pick pitcher. Um, I know it's not ideal uh, or the perfect comparison, but we all agree Manny was kind of called up out of haste uh, last season. Same thing with Fiedo this season. Uh, you throw in the Tommy John element as well, and they both came up. It's not that they. I don't want to say not ready because that implies something that I'm not meaning. But ahead of schedule, ahead of what would have been ideal scheduling, and I feel better about Fiedo now than I did Manning three or four four starts in last year. Way better. He has three yeah. pitches he can use. Number one. <laughs> I mean, yeah. way better. Yeah. So. That's that that's that's like the main point where like you know it could be like slight yeah. prisoner moment, but that's it, where and that's where this team's struggling. Like maybe it just brings out the cynic in me too much, but we're getting close to the point. There there are some of these narratives we're gonna have to retire, and this narrative of like oh Matt Manning has a super high ceiling. It's a little early to totally write that off, but. I have not seen a lot of evidence of that. Could he still be a good major league pitcher? Sure. This idea that Matt Manning has this crazy high ceiling, getting close to having to put that narrative to bed. Casey Mize, hope he comes back healthy, but like the just the Casey Mize has fastball command. It's like sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. Like that's a narrative that we're getting close to having to put to bed. Is Casey Mize ever going to become a strikeout pitcher? I don't know. Like that that narrative is. We'll see if he, if and when he comes back healthy, but we're close to having to move on from some of these, and now the new narrative is like, is Alex Fiedo better than at least one of the one of what was thought to be your big three? That's now that's now an idea we gotta start entertaining for sure. Well, I like that you brought up getting rid of narratives because I'm trying to find the balance. You need to start doing more of that, to be honest. Yeah, I'm trying to find the balance between, like, well, let's stick with Manny for a second. I'm, I'm trying to find the balance between, like, taking into consideration the background with, with uh, you know, still relatively young in terms of being a full-time pitcher and the athleticism. He's been a pitcher for, like, six years now. Like, he's, like... But, saying, but yeah, but still, the I don't think that's though. true. It's still, the yeah, I think yeah. it's I think that's a, now a lazy narrative because it's not like he was just drafted two years ago. So, so he should have more than two pitches, right? I yes, no, absolutely. Yeah, because guess who else has more than two pitches? Almost every starter in your system, at least in the upper levels of your system. Yeah, and and you mentioned this was a conversation we had had off air, and you and you alluded to it last week on air, but. I don't I don't want to hear and I like that you've sort of referenced it with your Pieto take. I I am I'm, I'm just I'm done with uh 
swing and miss pitches, like like pitches, sure. p- pitches that are not strikes, that chase pitches. I'm sorry, that's the term, chase pitches. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm pretty much done. I, I I would like to kill that narrative. I nominate to kill this narrative. I would like to kill the whole swing and miss. Or I think Chris Fetter killed that killed that narrative with Tarek School. Tarek School is now using his slider more often than his fastball, and he fills up the zone with it. And like Scooble in twenty twenty was throwing almost sixty percent fastballs, and he was a fly ball pitcher, and he gave up a lot of home runs. And now Fangraphs did a really good breakdown, and I kind of piggybacked off that in my Monday story. Um, but fight, or excuse me, Scooble. This guy's a three pitch pitcher. Number one with a fourth pitch curveball still in the works his changeup's phenomenal it's really changed its shape and the guy gets people out in the strike zone and he misses bats often in the strike zone um and his his most recent start he actually wasn't generating swings and misses which is rare for him but he's getting a ton of called strikes which tells you okay he's not just this get ahead with the fastball throw a chase pitch guy anymore I'm sure Chris Fetter and the Tigers deserve a lot of credit for helping bring that out in Tarek Scoople. Yeah, for sure. And and I and I I'll just bang this drum again because I'm pretty sure I have said it. Like the before we heard of Scoople, we we had and we'll take Fiedo out for a second. We had the pitching technician talking about narratives here. Pitching technician and Mize and the like wow factor gifts of Matt Manning, and it turned out. The system had a combination of the two of them <laughs> uh, yeah. the whole time. Yeah. And Tarek Skubal, who yeah. uh, we're, I'm just going to ride the wave right now. We'll probably have a, a bad outing next week, and this is going to sound dumb. But uh, face your pitching staff right now. Like, well, face it, one of the best pitchers in the American League. You know who has been a, a full time pitcher for a shorter amount of time than Matt Manning? Bo Brisky. Uh, Bo Brisky still needs to develop the third pitch. I think his third pitch is better than Matt Manning's third pitch right now. If he nails, gets down his slider, uh, he could also be right up there in terms of the combination of the two type guys, which I, I've talked about before. Still working on a third pitch, though, but he's been working on it for less time than Matt Manning has. Yeah, and, you know, this conversation not made better by the fact that his last rehab outing he had to come out for uh, non-arm related, though, uh, is what they say. What was he, overheating or something? Dehydration. We could make some hangover jokes. I'm not going to – I'll leave it at that. I don't know. <laughs> Seems kind of strange to me. Well, you know, I just – there's like the, – an athlete has like two jobs that like a bare minimum. One is be in shape. Two is like be hydrated slash, you know, replenished with nutrients. This isn't like high school ball where like you couldn't afford a power raid and like your mom didn't answer her phone. Like you have access to hydration, so I don't I don't know, maybe he was sick, like I I don't know, but yeah, like you had access to fluids, I'm pretty sure, so I don't know. Yeah. Very odd indeed. So that's actually a great transition, Cody, into a little a little fun, but also kind of depressing game that uh, I want to play here. Uh, w- there were a couple things this week that I thought, this is quintessential 2022 Detroit Tigers. So I have a couple nominees. Um, two of them happen to be t- today, but you know, that's all right. So the epitome of the 2022 Detroit Tigers was it Isak Paredes who had only hit two career home runs, I believe, coming into this week, launching two home runs and having just been called up by the Rays in a game against the Tigers this week uh, with the guy that he was traded for out with vertigo or vertigo-like symptoms. So that's that's one nominee. That's that's pretty twenty twenty two Tigers right there. Second nominee today, Willie Castro in the batter's box. It is an O one count if my memory serves correct. He tries to call time as the pitcher's in the windup, and or in you know in his windup, but not in the windup. 
and does not get granted time because of course not and is about to step out of the batter's box but then he doesn't and then he just kind of like like kind of flicks the bat down like so it's like a swinging strike and by the way there's a runner on third this is a close game uh not great Strikes yeah, out no, what pitch. did you do the next pitch chased a pitch Sweet. way out yes. of the zone. yep mm-hmm. pretty yep. 2022 sight yep Got a lot of respect for A.J. Hinch, and I admittedly did not read post-game. I don't know if he talked about it. Uh, had just an odd challenge. Uh, who was it that had that got hit in the hand? Naylor. Was it, uh, Naylor. That's, yeah. So Naylor gets hit on the hand on replay, on replay, quite obviously. Like, no... That's like that's like a one to two replays and we're good. We're moving on. So I'm assuming that the Tigers staff was able to relay that that yes, he got hit. Now there was some question about whether in the process of him getting hit by the pitch did he, you know, have a technical swing? Did he go? But that's not reviewable. AJ goes out to talk to the umpires, they get like a counsel and there still is a formal challenge officially as to whether it was a foul ball or a hit by pitch, which again on replay is not. It was very clear. It was very clear. Not only was it ruled hit by pitch on the field, but it was very clear on replay that he was in fact hit by the pitch, which is just very bizarre. Um, Dan Diggerson on the radio is like. There, there's something else here that AJ is looking at or trying to do or whatever, which I don't doubt that. But without an explanation, I can only go with what I see, and I just saw that as a challenge that had one of the Tigers' uh, playoff odds, 0.4 percent, less than that of being. Uh, I think it's still like 1.4 percent, so, just to be clear. So definitely uh, less than that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, so that's the nominee, and then uh, the earlier mentioned, I know it wasn't in Detroit or with the Major League Club, but the earlier mentioned prized pitching prospect coming back from an injury rehabbing and has to come out of a game because of dehydration. So those are some nominees. I might have missed some, I'm sure I did, but those are some nominees this week of the epitome of this Tigers team. Which one of the which one would you rank numero uno there? Well, a few, a few follow up notes. Isak Paredes had more barrels two in one game than he did in his entire major league stint as a Tiger, <laughs> in which he accumulated, I believe, one uh, barrel. So that's not what you're looking for. I mean, I I would still lean toward one you didn't mention, which is your one healthy pitcher getting smoked by 104 mile per hour, 100.4 mile per hour line drive. And luckily he was okay, but that was about the most 2022 Tigers thing possible. All things considered, I am going to go Isak Paredes, especially when you pair it with Austin Meadows having vertigo of all things. I want to be clear, I still think that's a good trade. Of We talked about this when the trade happened. Isak's going to have a homer and everyone's going to freak out. And in fact, he had two homers against the Tigers. It's kind of hilarious, but like... I think that's still a great trade, but doesn't get more 2022 than this guy who could not pull the ball in the air with power to the point you were like, "Ah, I think we got to trade him, does it twice against you, while the guy you traded for, who is objectively a better player, is out because he's dizzy and can't balance because he had an inner ear infection, now he's out with vertigo and he's seeing doctors and... The team just kind of left him in Tampa, and no, no one seems re- like that's crazy. That's insane, and that's where we're at. Yeah, yeah, that that's more layered than even I was thinking at the time. That's that's uh, that is that is quite something. And I, I'm glad you brought up like I would still do the trade because I would too. And that was as soon as he hit that home run, I was like, here we go. Like it was, we're gonna, we're gonna. 
freak out and we're gonna use it as an opportunity to just crapple over Alavila. Isak did hit it... a third homer Sunday in Baltimore and nearly hit a fourth, but he hit it to the crevice where they moved the wall in Baltimore back by like twenty six <laughs> feet or whatever stupid amount it is. He nearly had two homers in Baltimore. Also funny. And you know what? Good for yeah, him. Good for him. Good for him. You know, uh, he, you could tell he, he had, uh, he didn't like pimp the first home run, but he, he kind of like made sure his necklace was all right, you know? <laughs> and I was, I was like, I hope he's enjoying this. Like, he looked like he was. I hope he, I was like, I hope he's enjoying it because, uh, there's nothing better in sports than sort of getting revenge, I guess you could say against the team that traded you so good for you know what we never talked uh, about i tweeted about it but miguel cabrera's last homer at comerica he stood there and watched it far longer than miggy normally would kind of walked a few steps out of the box didn't do the bat flip but almost positive that was for his son christopher if you recall miggy's chase for 3000 he shared you know my son asked me the next time i hit a home run like can you pimp it and i was like no i don't do that he kind of pimped it so I think that was an ode to his son. I thought that was awesome. I wish he would have went ahead and flipped the bat, but uh, I thought that was cool. Yeah, well, look. No one can get mad at Miguel Cabrera now. Uh, number no, one, number one, if like you get mad at someone for pimping a home run, you are lame. Well, that, but like, <laughs> that, that's like that, that's the every time. But like, in specific to Miggy, like, A, it's Miggy. B, it's not like, I don't know. I just feel like when he's on his prime anymore, which obviously he's not, it's like you, you don't have to really get a rise out of the opponents for anything. It's like, well, you know, it's not like he's going to kill us all season or anything. So, uh, so yeah, those are those are some nominees. That was... Hold on, here's an additional AJ Hinch suggestion box. We have Albert Pujols and now Yadier Molina that made pitching appearances this season. Oh God! I see Miggy throwing. He gets in there and throws BP sometimes to so just throw like five pitches. Just to, I guess he thinks it's funny. I think we need a Miggy pitching appearance when there's a blowout. I think we need it. It has to be at I home. Th- I think it the people need it. Home. Come on. If Pujols <laughs> can do it, why can't Miggy? Let's go. Well, all right. Well, with um, that was a bonus suggestion box, so I'll go ahead and and, and kind of get into mine. We talked about Daz Cameron a little bit. Um, let's 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 ride Daz Cameron a little bit. Let's let's rise him. Uh, obviously, big Derek Hill guy over here, but uh, better swings today than what we've seen from Derek Hill. And I went and looked at uh, I went and looked at what Daz was doing in Toledo prior to coming in, and this month. He had hit safely in 11 of 12 games. And we knew that the defensive potential was there, but now we saw an actual, like, real great example. Uh, I want to see more Daz. Wow. I don't want to see him in a pullover. I don't want to see him in a pullover in the dugout. I want to see him in the game. I mean, like... What what uh, part of it's what are the options like? Do you want like do I want to see Daz or Willie Castro in left field? Certainly not Daz or Willie Castro in center. Uh, so um, I, I want I want I think that's a hot take. I want to see more Daz. I, uh, you know, Daz earned. He played. He did some cool things Saturday. He also got back picked at first base after nearly getting picked off by the pitcher. He got picked off by the catcher. This is why we don't see more Daz Cameron. I think that's going to be a recurring issue. Eh, him over Willie Ca- I don't know if Willie Castro is still hitting the ball as much as we all know my thoughts on Willie Castro, especially defensively. Like, I think that makes more – like, Daz just hasn't proven it at the major league level, and I, I, I don't see him putting it all together. Uh, my other suggestion – you know what? Now this – I didn't have a clear one before the episode. Now they're flooding in. In addition to Miggy needs to pitch – <laughs> Last year, A.J. Hinch talked a lot about the culture of aggression. And the Tigers led the league in outs on the bases, or were second, maybe. And a lot of those I thought were over-aggressive, or in fact, no, I, uh, it wasn't over. A lot of them were dumb mistakes that weren't really related to aggression. But I don't think we've heard A.J. really use that phrase this year. 
And the Tigers still rank third in outs on the bases this year. But they're not really being aggressive. And I know they maybe don't have quite as much team speed, especially with Badu and the minors. And Akil, unfortunately, now on the injured list in the minors with an oblique um, issue. But I think Robbie Grossman stole. I think only his second steal of the season. Obviously, Robbie hasn't been on base as much. This guy had more than 20 stolen bags last year. I think we need to bring back some of the culture of aggression talk. Uh, because now your base running, your base running mistakes are only the dumb mistakes and not the overly aggressive mistakes. Mm-hmm. And probably it is related to these guys can't get on base. Maybe we can't afford extra outs. I'd say if these guys get not, aren't getting on base, like why not roll the dice a little bit? Let's see Robbie Grossman going a little more. Derek Hill, like like let's put some pressure on these dudes. Uh, I think it's time to bring that back. My other one I've already mentioned though. Um, I obviously never want to like rally for a player to be demoted or whatever, and Eric Costa doesn't have options, so that would be sad, but I think Dustin Garneau needs to be your backup catcher uh, unless you can trust Eric Costa to be in the lineup against left-handed pitching. I think we're at that point. So those are my suggestions. Yeah, those are good. I mean, uh, I will say on, on the Daz conversation, you know, with the major league track record thing, it's like, well, there's only, there's, no, there's only, there's only, well, yeah, with like Willie Castro, it's like, there's only, there's only one way to see, and, sure. and there's not going to be any better opportunities to see whether Taz <laughs> Cameron can play, can play in the bigs, and he just turned 25, I think he turned 20, was it 25 in January, is that what I read? Something like that. I believe he's a young twenty-five. Sure, sounds sounds right. Uh, yeah, I think he's a young he's twenty-five. So you know, it's not the end of the road, but it's it's in sight in terms of you know whether you can cut it. So and you know the whole Tory Hunter thing, but you know that's that's what I want to see. I just want to see it. I just want to see it. Like 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 your colleagues at Ken said. Like got to figure out. What, what the pieces are 2023 to 2027 we've been we've been figuring that out for like four years now though well i mean it may yeah maybe daz needs more time to figure it out but i don't even they've had plenty of time to figure out the pieces that's one of the problems they've had ample time and too many of these pieces still aren't figured out that's where kind of the front office criticism comes in and that's a whole other discussion but yeah macro versus micro sure. and the micro is you know Maglio or Donez ain't walking through that door, all right. So let's let let's let's figure <laughs> sure. let's let's figure out he's you if he's on the major league roster, freaking plan that that'd be sure. that, that'd be my thing. And you know maybe some of those like mental lapses that we've talked about with him, maybe the only maybe it's like you know the kid learns the stove is hot by you know touching it because getting embarrassed being a embarrassed you know put, being embarrassed on twitter because you got backpicked maybe that kicks in the mental part i don't know well here's here's what we talked about with torkelson though like will going to to triple a help spencer torkelson hit 92 mile an hour fastballs like probably not that's but you can not make dumb mental mistakes in triple a so like I, I think there's a difference that's fair that's fair uh, do you want to take a victory lap real quick about your uh, one of your recent suggestion boxes? Uh, I, I don't. I, we gotta stop bragging so much because we're just you know we're just right all the time. <laughs> no. uh, yeah, Tigers are gonna do a bullpen day this week. It looks like. Um, I think that's a great move. We're we're not gonna see Joey Wentz against the Twins. You know, we did see Elvin Rodriguez, and obviously the injuries are crazy, but. Uh, I think maybe the embrace of bullpen days is is happening a little bit. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited to watch. Yeah, it. two different things. Just go well. We, we, it, it, the uh, the suggestion box is not wrong if the move is made and it sucks. <laughs> it, the suggestion is just to do it because that's right, the best like the suggestion box. You know, like look, I was wrong on Tyler Alexander and Bo Brisky is staying in the rotation, but because of injuries and his last start was really bad, but. Yeah, I, they still happen. Yeah, Those things yeah. still happen, right? <laughs> so, uh, what, what was yours last week? I don't even, I don't even remember. Uh, mine last week was, uh, well, it was the, 
it was the emotion part of it and and it was oh and it was it was like hinch slash the team and and that's why i I think aj was probably too sick to like (laughs) smash the bat into the wall or anything maybe maybe next week maybe next homestand yeah (laughs) i hope he's feeling better i hope he uh (laughs) hope he just drank a ton of uh emergency you know maybe (laughs) maybe he was hungover I don't know. I don't know. Well, could you? Um, uh, he was uh, sick multiple days. Uh, I mean, he could have been both. For, for guess, the record, but... that was a joke. I'm not implying he's an alcoholic <laughs> or anything. I just want to make that clear for everybody. Uh, no, don't want that to be misconstrued in any way. But, but all right. Anything else you wanted to kind of touch on, Cody? Before we, uh, before you get some rest after you know, a long, nice long weekend of covering the Tigers, driving back to Detroit and doing this pod. I don't want to take up too much of your time. Oh no! I think I think that uh, covers it for now. We will. I'll see you guys next week in Tigers group therapy. Yeah, and it's gonna be a weird thing when uh, if they keep like winning games on Sunday with near or at losing records, uh, because it's like I said, just see a game like today. Put you put, put. I can assure you, this is cheaper than real therapy. If you're still struggling, I would encourage you to journal your thoughts. Don't don't tweet them at me. That doesn't count. It's not the same. Don't tweet. The best one I saw this week: hashtag Fire Illich, <laughs> which like I guess it, it, the Tigers are technically run by a trust. He's not like the owner owner, so like maybe sort of, but you can't really fire the owner. I'd rather DFA <laughs> him if we're being honest. Uh, D, DFA Illich. That might that might be that might be coming. Um, <laughs> so anyway, don't don't do that. But journal out your thoughts. Maybe that'll help you vent. Help you feel a little better. Help you see the big picture. That's that's what I'd recommend. Yep, and 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 find those little things that you can look forward to to see, like you know. Also that, you know, find a couple things each game you're interested in watching. That's what I've been doing, and it it, it helps. Yeah, there it's you fun. go. So, a little life advice to to end this week's pod. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter. He's at Cody Stavenhagen. I am at Kieran underscore Steckley. Our pod page is at Turn Corner Pod. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and please subscribe to the Athletic. So. Uh, Cody, who has a lovely, beautiful dog who has not made an appearance on the podcast in a while, so Olive can be a happy and healthy pup. So I want to thank everybody for listening. Thank you for attending this week's group therapy session, and we will see you all next time.